Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's great to be together again on the internet. Um, I'm speaking this morning um, in our series. We've started a new series just coming up to Easter, looking at love in a pandemic. And some of you will be familiar with the three aspects of love that we often come back to. Loving God, upward love, loving each other, inward love, and loving our world, outward love, up, in, and out. So in these last few weeks, we've looked at loving one another, sustaining community in a pandemic. And then Sanjay looked with us at loving our neighbours, our mission in a pandemic. Today, we're looking at loving God, meeting God in new ways. Let me start with a story. In 2013, Ruth and I and the family were on holiday in Italy. We'd rented a second floor apartment for the week and were making day trips to various places in the car. However, this didn't go as planned. First, the front door of the apartment got stuck. This is our second floor door and we couldn't get out. However, Catherine, who was then aged 10, was on the landing, having just gone to the car to get something and she couldn't get back in. So we called the landlord, the landlord came uh, quickly, which was good, and offered to take Catherine back to his house, which was a tough decision to make. We didn't know him at all, uh, but in the end it worked out for good. Uh, Jimmy uh, had other ideas. He wanted to climb down the outside of the building and somehow fix it. We, we wouldn't let him. He was quite disappointed, of course. It was a very stressful morning. Uh, and in the end, we got on with our day. Uh, the, the door was opened and it was all OK. Then, a few days later, the car developed a fault on the way back from somewhere. We limped home but then the car had to be towed away by an elderly Italian tow truck driver who spoke no English to who knows where for who knows how long. We were liaising through an agent who in turn liaised with our insurers and we had no idea what was going on. Uh, even though there was a pool on the complex and plenty to do, we felt very cooped up, trapped and powerless. And I remembered this incident as I was thinking about our topic today. <clears throat> Usually we'd have been very happy to have a day at home to read and relax and play games and swim and whatever. But because it was forced on us, we resented it. And certainly I didn't enjoy the time at all. Contrast that story of forced isolation with some elective isolation I chose last year, otherwise known as a sabbatical. Compared to our Italian entrapment, the sabbatical was a rich time of rest, family, refreshing relationship with God, enjoying God's creation. The two situations were similar in many ways. In fact, the sabbatical was three months, not just three days. But I enjoyed the sabbatical. It was a rich time, while I resented the Italian situation. The difference was in my attitude. Church, as we go into quite a long period of isolation, although for some of us, especially key workers amongst us, this is going to be an intense and stressful period, what will our attitudes be? Will we be grumpy and impatient and resentful? Or will we make the most of the opportunity afforded to us? There's a story in the Bible when David, who'd been appointed king, then found himself on the run as an outlaw, fleeing for his life from the previous King Saul. What did David do? It says in several places he strengthened himself in the Lord. Sheridan puts it more bluntly. He is an Aussie after all. I'm inside you're inside, let's grow through this. I like that. And another way of looking at this is that we're all called to be priests, 
The priesthood of all believers is a foundational idea in church life, Protestant church life, that every believer can have a direct personal relationship with Jesus to pray and to understand the Bible for themselves. Whilst leaders can help us grow, we don't require a priest to mediate between us and God. I'm not saying we don't need help, exactly the opposite in fact, we need friends and church to help us mature, but the goal is each of us knowing how to pray and talk to God for ourselves, a direct relationship with God. That's why as we meet Sunday by Sunday in this season, we're including three by three videos, three minute videos to help you grow. We're looking at different perspectives, resources and approaches to engaging with God. And also the attitude that will help us make the most of this season. So far, we've heard about family devotions and isolation and communion and liturgy and tongues and the Bible. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at personal worship and enjoying God in creation and lament and serving others. So there's a rich variety of ways that different ones of us meet with God. But in my remaining few minutes today, I simply want to point us to the bread and butter of the Christian life, reading at God's word and praying. Let's look at the Bible first of all. The Bible is God's word. Think about that for a minute. God's word. A guy called Matt Smethurst, who we'll come back to in a minute, says God is a talkative God. He could have remained silent, but he didn't. Your Bible is tangible evidence that the maker of the universe is a communicator who initiates, who reveals, who speaks. I like that. God is a talkative God. Maybe in these days you have loved ones, family or friends that you can't meet physically. So when you call or message or Zoom, there's a new verb there, isn't there, we, to Zoom. We cherish their communication, their self-revelation of their feelings and their emotions, their words. So too with God. Eugene Peterson, author of the Message uh, version of the Bible, he wrote a book called Eat This Book about how we're supposed to eat the Bible. Let me just read a, a little quote from his book. Years ago, I owned a dog who had a fondness for large bones. He gnawed on the bone, turned it over and around, licked it, worried it. Sometimes we could hear a low rumble or a growl. He was obviously enjoying himself and in no hurry. Imagine my further delight in coming upon a phrase one day while reading Isaiah, in which I found the prophet observing something similar to what I'd seen in my dog, except that his animal was a lion instead of a dog, as the lion growls over his prey. Growls is the word that caught my attention. What my dog did to his bone, Isaiah's lion did to his prey. And I noticed here that the Hebrew word here translated as growl is usually translated as meditate. So in Psalm 1, for example, it describes the blessed man or woman as the one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates day and night on the law of the Lord. When Isaiah's lion and my dog meditated, they chewed and swallowed using teeth and tongue, stomachs and intestines. Isaiah's lion meditating his prey and my dog meditating his bone. There's a certain kind of writing that invites this kind of reading as we taste and savour, anticipate 
and take in the sweet and spicy, mouth-watering, soul-energising morsel words. I want to cultivate this kind of reading. I like that description of reading the Bible as eating God's words, meditating, salivating, chewing on them. We don't just come to the Bible to read and understand and study and learn. We come to chew and meditate and savour and digest, allowing God to speak to our hearts and our attitudes and our actions through his word. Matt Smethurst, that I mentioned earlier, has written a book called Before You Open the Bible. It contains nine simple headings to help us come rightly with the right attitude to God's word. One Amazon reviewer said, I used this book for nine days consecutively and found it a really helpful challenge and MOT to my Bible reading. Let me offer you a simple prayer, which I based on the first chapter of Matt's book. Why not pray it before you next open your Bible? Lord, as I come to your word today, thank you that you're a talkative God. With Jeremiah, I say, when your words come, I will eat them. Let them be my joy and my heart's delight. Incline my heart. God, demagnetize my heart from what is worthless. Open my eyes. Spirit, unblind me to see the truth. Unite my heart. Jesus, don't let my heart remain divided, distracted and distant. Satisfy me. Father, satisfy my restless heart with your steadfast love. That prayer is on the Sunday webpage for today if you want to use that prayer. I'd encourage you as you approach God's word next time, pray that prayer before you start. Let's talk about prayer then. When I started my sabbatical, I knew that my prayer life needed an upgrade. I was stuck in dry habits and I wanted to ask, what is missing? What am I not seeing? How can I pray in fresh ways? I needed to do an MOT on my prayer life. I highly recommend Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray. In it, he covers loads of different ways to pray, used by the church down the ages. And if you've not read it, I really recommend you get hold of it and let it upgrade your prayer habits. Read it slowly. Take time to ask God what he wants to do in your prayer life. And if books aren't your thing, then there's a video version, which I'll point you to in a moment. For me, the way to pray that landed for me, the, the upgrade I needed was what some people call contemplative prayer. If that sounds a bit strange, Pete Gregg, who I note is from the same sort of churches as we are, says, I cannot emphasize too strongly how important it is for your spiritual, mental and physical well-being that you learn to silence the world's relentless chatter for a few minutes each day, to become still in the depths of your soul. Pete defines contemplative prayer like this. He says, show up, shut up, and look up. Show up, shut up, and look up. He says it's like stargazing rather than astronomy, enjoying the stars rather than simply asking questions about them. In terms of prayer, enjoying God rather than just asking him questions all the time. I find this works best for me when I come to 
God in the morning before the life of the day starts to get going. I don't get on to 24-hour news and social media before I come to God. I read the Bible first. That helps me get my head back into God's perspective. I listen, listen to some worship music or play my guitar. Then I come to God and wait and listen. And only then do I start asking. And if I don't get to the asking, I think that's OK because God wants me to listen and to be with him. So that's my experience of learning to um, bring more contemplative prayer into my prayer life. That's enough about me now. What is it for you? How do you need to upgrade the way you pray? How would you, how could you use the opportunity that this uh, forced isolation brings on us to learn new ways of praying? Maybe you know already what God's after for you in prayer and you just need to get on with it and do it. Or maybe you have no idea, in which case I'd recommend Pete's book as a sort of MOT to upgrade your prayer life. And resources on both the Bible and prayer things I've recommended will be on the web page straight after this service. So as we close, Bible and prayer are both about listening to God, getting his perspective. Let's be listeners, church, at least as much as we're askers. And church, let's use this period of forced confinement for good in developing our relationship with God. Let us make it more like my sabbatical than my grumpy Italian imprisonment.